Rejecting the screen here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast from SiriusXM NBA Radio. Out West, Adam Stenko, a soon-to-be father of four and longtime basketball talent evaluator who was following LeBron around with a camera when, I don't know, Adam, were you nine or was LeBron nine? No, I'm, I'm an older guy, Noah. Uh, <laughs> this, the first time interviewed LeBron was uh, his rising junior year. So right after he had won, uh, had been first team All-American by USA Today as a sophomore, but no one had done a real national interview with him. So ABCD camp going into his junior year. You know, the other day on Twitter, I saw, I forget the account that tweeted it out. It was highlights from Dewan Wagner's senior year <laughs> in Camden. And, yeah. and Wagner averaged 42 and a half points per game. And I saw him play as a sophomore in a tournament in Conshohock in Pennsylvania. And he was, it was a small gym and he was just stepping over mid court and he was on the court with Eddie Griffin. And it mm-hmm. looked like Eddie Griffin didn't care about basketball at all. And Dwan Wagner was signing autographs at halftime of these tournament games. John Allen was on there from yeah, Coatesville Hall. Yeah. Coatesville's exactly. John Allen. He, was, I, he was the next guy after rip. Yeah. I, Dewan, I got to know while he was in high school and he, uh, he is one of the great what if stories in NBA history. People think about him as, as a guy that was a bust. Interesting. The Cavs drafted Dewan Wagner and LeBron James. They were hoping to get both of them in the backcourt because they were thinking LeBron could be a six, eight lead guard who could guard twos on the other end. And Dewan would be sort of a six, three, six, two, two guard who would then guard the point guard on the other end of the floor. Interesting to note, I have a million Dewan stories, but one that I'll tell you real quickly. He was, uh, we were doing this national high school sports show, as I've, I've talked about before. And really, again, before the age of, of social media and all that, this is early 2000s. And Dewan Wagner, uh, we get word, scores 100 points in a high school game. Mm-hmm. So we had these different producers from all over the country that would collect footage for us and all. So I get word from somebody locally that Dewan had just scored 100 points and we're going nuts, like how we're going to cover it, what we're going to do, getting the footage, all that kind of stuff. So I get a call from a producer who's in Houston and he says, hey, you won't believe this. A kid scored 100 points tonight. And I said, oh, really? Uh, I know that already. That's interesting. But how did you hear about it? He goes, how did you know? I just came from the game. So we start talking. I go, how could you come from the game? You're a producer in Houston. <laughs> Turns out, kid's name was Cedric Hensley. He scored 100 points in a game in high school the same night that Dewan Wagner wow. scored 100 points. I didn't know that. It's nuts. And uh, my nuts. buddy and Lamar Hurd was Cedric mm-hmm. Hensley's high school teammate. Lamar is now the color guy for the uh, Portland Trailblazers. And uh, I tease Lamar all the time because I've seen video of Cedric Hensley's 100 points. at <laughs> They were basically playing like a middle school team. There was not a lot of competition, a lot of fast break layups to get to that, to get to that 100. You know, it's stupid. We'd probably just spent a half an hour talking before we started recording the podcast, and I didn't bring up Dewan Wagner once or bring up how we we're going to start this show. So let's get into what we actually do have planned, and we'll get into some all-decade questions that I got from the higher-ups at SiriusXM NBA Radio. We'll do that in open gym. Also look back at a few predictions that we got right, got wrong through the first 10, 13 games of the season. But as we record this, Adam, on Monday afternoon, the Boston Celtics are 10 and 2. Yeah, their opponents have stunk. The schedule's been bad. But the fact is, without Kyrie, it seems like this team is 
completely rejuvenated with Kemba running the pick and roll, Jalen Brown getting to the hoop more times than ever before. And I guess Brad Stevens can't coach. Yeah, Brad Stevens can coach. We heard that, if you didn't know that already, from Doug Gottlieb, who said he's the smartest coach he's ever been around, the brightest coaching mind he's ever been around uh, on our uh, Thursday interview there with, with Doug Gottlieb. There's three 20-point-per-game scorers. We were curious as to what would happen. We knew Kemba would come in and score. Curious to see what would happen with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Certainly, they have risen at the very least from a confidence standpoint. And that was the big thing from the Celtics perspective. I think we were all curious about what would happen to the rest of the Celtics if they didn't have the lead dog, if they didn't have the alpha leading the way in Kyrie Irving. And there have been questions, Noah, you know this very well, about the authenticity of Kyrie's leadership and whether it works. I think that's a a legitimate question that's been going on for quite some time. I'm not saying Kyrie's a bad guy. I'm just saying that there's been questions about the sincerity. Even when, if you recall last year, he said, you know, there's a big story about how he had called LeBron and told him that he understood what LeBron had been through and he was second in command. And people even took that to mean Kyrie's probably just using that to send a message to these younger guys on the team. But the fact that they're sharing the ball, the only game all year they've had under 20 assists was opening night loss to the, to the Sixers. Uh, they've had some bad three-point shooting nights, and you're going to get that from guys like Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. With Hayward out through January, it'll be interesting to see how this team keeps themselves atop the East. But Noah, I'm just, I'm really shocked at how well they're playing. It's just probably the best example of team basketball in the NBA right now. Yeah, it's, it's full-on addition by subtraction. So a few numbers. As we recorded this on Monday, number two offensive rating, number 10 defensive rating, their net rating is is third. Their assist-to-turnover ratio is by far the best in the league. Jalen Brown is getting to the free throw line one and a half more. He's, he's taking one and a half more free throws than he did last year. They have the best four-man net rating for any group that has played 100-plus minutes together, and that's Kemba. Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Daniel Tice. And that's ahead of two Bucks lineups and two Rockets lineups, mm. one having Harden and, and one without. From Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, just much more effective basketball because I do feel like they feel empowered with Kemba there and without Kyrie. There's no question about it. And I think there's something to be said for the body language of this team. You know, we can we can break down what everything means analytically and and why they're playing better and try to find, you know, when we talked to Hollinger a few weeks ago, it was interesting. We talked to him about who's the one guy you couldn't figure out why he was successful and what made the team better. And he finally found it. And it was he was talking about Jason Kidd and said he finally figured it out. It was on the defensive end when he came to the Nets, the difference he made. And there are some things, though, that might take a while to figure out. You point out uh, statistically, analytically, what's made this team better. But there's a body language factor. When you're watching Celtics games now, that's just enjoyable. And as we were watching the game, uh, at least when I saw it, on, on Sunday night, and they lose their second game of the season, Marcus Smart, who was 2 of 15 before taking the final shot, they still rotate the ball to him, still have confidence that he can take the last shot. He gets the ball, drives the lane, throws up a floater at the buzzer, and it rolls out. And just seeing 
how much they wanted that shot to go in and how into it everyone is. And it's not like that on every team in the NBA. And so to have sort of a college atmosphere around a team is always going to elevate them. Yeah, I'm interested to see how this road trip continues with Phoenix, the Clippers, and Denver, given the fact that their schedule has been so easy. But as you always hear, you can only beat the teams that are on your schedule. And right now, as we record this on Monday, the Boston Celtics are 10-2. and two. On Thursday, we're going to have P.J. Carlissimo, who coached Denzel Washington in college at Fordham. That's Thursday. Coming up next, rejecting the screen with some predictions we got right. And all right, we'll admit something we got wrong. Adam, the program's called Rejecting the Screen because we oftentimes go against the norms of what, quote-unquote, everyone is saying. Sometimes it works out, other times it doesn't, and a lot of our predictions were tongue-in-cheek. But for the ones that we took seriously of what we actually thought might happen on the floor or what we actually might see as a potential headline, we did tomorrow's headlines today for the Locked On NBA Network division-by-division previews. Let's go through two or three of the ones that we got right, and then, sure, we'll admit one that we got wrong. The Golden State Warriors, for me, this defense is awful, and that was the one that I was most sure of, and right now they are the worst defensive team in the league, and it is difficult to watch just to even see the last names of the names on the jerseys for the Golden State Warriors. What a a wild scene it has been with no Steph, no play, and now not having D'Angelo Russell and, of course, not having KD. The Dallas Mavericks, this one came up recently because of the two games that they've played against the Knicks, and even though the Knicks have won, this has been a conversation, and it was, what did the Knicks get for KP? What did they get for Kristaps Porzingis? Which leads me into what the Knicks headline is, that they'll never win with Jim Dolan. And I'd get thrown out of the garden for that, saying sell the team. <laughs> but the Knicks, the Knicks will never win with Jim Dolan. Already mentioned, is Brad Stevens any good? Because this year was a year that he was, in the past, he'd been coaching with pressure, and now it didn't work with Kyrie. See how it works without Kyrie. Yes, Brad Stevens is a good coach. And one more I want to mention. Actually, two. One is the Hornets. as scrappy as they've been and that means as we record this on monday getting to six and seven which i didn't Remarkable. think they'd get their six win Remarkable. until maybe february mm-hmm. the headline was good seats still available <laughs> and there are still good seats available because they're just about 83 percent capacity which is fourth worst in the nba behind the wizards wolves and pistons Lack of Buzz City. That's what we say. <laughs> Lack of Buzz City. Um, those are pretty good, Noah. And I, I want to point out on your on your Warriors one, it wasn't as easy as as you know people may think now. It's it's, it's always revisionist history. But when you said that they were going to be atrocious defensively, a lot of people disagreed with that, whether by the numbers or what they thought would happen. At least because Draymond Green was going to be on the floor. And I think it's interesting that you point that out. And by the way, they are the worst team in basketball, record-wise, and the worst team, as you point out, 
defensively. And it's, it is remarkable. The only team arguably in full on tank mode, as I've said many times on the podcast. Right. So one of those people was David Locke and it was, it was a bit awkward. On, You're not supposed to say that. Oh, let's hope he's not. <laughs> it was a bit awkward on the, on the Pacific division preview because we came right off of Locke's numbers. He, he does his own, his own numbers. And he had the warrior. It was like, it was the last thing he said about the warriors. Did the warriors coming in at number 10, the 10th ranked defense. And then it just cuts right to us saying, all right, the golden state warriors, this defense is awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a great moment. I did appreciate some, that. Some, lose exactly. Uh, for the ones that, that I feel like I got right so far for my predicted headlines. First, for Miami, serious threat in the East. So obviously the Heat right now, second in the East, I'd call that a serious threat. I had mentioned the additions of Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero, this added confidence, swagger, scoring that they would have. And, you know, excited to see uh, that the Heat so far have, uh, that the prediction has sort of come to, to fruition. Uh, for the Magic, the Magic go as Aaron Gordon goes. And if you've been following the Aaron Gordon saga throughout his career, really, uh, it's been up and down. And he's, I guess, as much as any player in the NBA often left fans wanting more uh, because we see it. He, He puts it on the court some nights, some seasons, and then doesn't in other ways. And I love him as a person and certainly as a player, and the potential is there. But you look, I mean, his scoring has gone down this year his rebounding numbers, his assist numbers, his block numbers, his field goal percentage, his three-point field goal percentage, and even the amount of trips to the line this year, um, that's gone up. uh, But his free throw percentage has gone down from last year. And so across the board, when that happens, Magic with a losing record, even though they would still be in the playoffs, taking our tiny sample size that we're we're playing with um, as of right now. So you're going to, wait, hold on, you're going to tell me that Aaron Gordon's not going to win most improved player because that was my pick before the year was Aaron Gordon most improved player. Not going not to happen. Hey, it might be, uh, what do you say, Noah, most improved for an upcoming month? Yeah, maybe he can win most improved in December. Do they hand out? They don't hand out monthly awards for that. That would be an amazing way to do monthly awards. The most improved player for the month compared to their last month's award. Can you recommend just, that for just, one just of your cronies at the NBA? Yeah, just what we need. More awards. Yeah. Maybe the maybe the players can vote on those awards and get those right, since they think they can get all the other awards right. Listen, it's not the amount of awards that I'm against. It's just like where they the, like the place in the heart they come from. I would love some sarcastic awards. I'd be down with that. So I'm just <laughs> throwing that out there. Um, no, it's not going to happen for sure. Uh, the another one that I got right was the the T Wolves sneaky fun watch on League Pass, and I know I threw in sneaky fun because i know that you you hate that phrasing on on twitter and so that's why i went there but i i did believe that we would see something special although it hasn't been for the reasons really that we might have expected uh it wasn't necessarily because of some of the new additions i mean Jarrett culver i still believe in his potential uh josh akogi we've seen up and down performances from him certainly defensively there's some great potential there Uh, but really it's been the play of andrew wiggins and you know, I I thought that I, I've been an Andrew Wiggins guy, Noah, and I know that that there's people that, that are on both sides of that, and there are people that have loved to um, toss him to the curb a while back and thought 
you know what? For a number one pick, he's been a bust. And in a lot of ways, he really hasn't performed defensively how people had wanted him to. And also, there has been a total lack of production. So my Andrew Wiggins stuff has been more of coming from a place of hope and watching him through high school and what I believed he could be if he reached his ceiling and if he ever really put it together. And sometimes with these guys, we are so quick to judge, and for good reason, but we are so quick to judge who we think they'll be if they'll ever turn that switch on, and he has. And I think there's nothing cooler in the league than watching a guy who has just been um, you know, saddled with the idea that he is going to be a bust and somehow finds a way to click that switch, get himself motivated, and give greater effort, show greater body language, as I was alluding to with the Celtics. Um, I think there's no better story in basketball than when that happens. One that I got got wrong is uh, Doncic and Porzingis need help for the Mavericks. And I said, look, there's some likable pieces. Don't see them making the playoffs. But in the end, they don't need any other parts because Luka Doncic has been just that good. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's moved not just to all-star status, but you could call him a dark horse MVP candidate right now at this oh, point sure. of the season. And sure. he is putting up historic numbers and the influence and impact on the team this year and his pairing with Porzingis. Certainly, I'm not, I'm not dismissing the idea that they haven't gotten contributions. It's obviously not a two-man game that they're playing, but just the idea that I thought they would need someone else to play at a very high level, and they don't because Doncic has been just that good, and I've been blown away with his development in year two. All right, I got the Aaron Gordon thing wrong, and I think I got every other one. Correct. You can go back and listen to all those. I think I got, yeah, I think I got them all, all <laughs> the did. other ones. Right? You did. I'll vouch for you. Use your basketball knowledge to prove that you have what it takes at mybookie.ag, where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. Use the promo code locked on NBA, locked on NBA, and mybookie will match 50% of your first deposit. Listening on the go? If you can't visit mybookie right now, you can find this and all other offers from locked on sponsors at one easy place. LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. Coming up on Thursday, as we mentioned, an hour with PJ Carlissimo that you won't want to miss. Some dream team stories, the trail Sprewell, and stories that maybe he's never told before. But coming up next, we roll it out for Open Gym. What's the best game of the past decade? Adam, an open gym, we just roll the ball out and get into whatever we want to get into. And I got an email last week from the higher-ups at SiriusXM NBA Radio about the all-decade questions they're going to be putting together, whether it's a program or just content from all the hosts from the all-decade. Executive of the year, coach of the year, franchise of the decade, top five players. So I'm just going to think out loud here. I'm not coming to any conclusions. But I'm just going to think out loud, and then maybe we'll get feedback from listeners in the comments, which you can do when you subscribe and download and rate and review, or you can do it on Twitter at Naismith Lives for Adam. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. I had coach of the decade and franchise of the decade. I went back and forth. Franchise of the decade, I went with the Warriors, but coach of the decade, I went with Greg Popovich. You okay with that? I am good with that. I mean, obviously... Steve Kerr has to be talked about as as coach of the decade. Uh, but what Greg Popovich has done throughout throughout the decade, 
is is remarkable. And you know, he he squeezes water out of a rock, as they yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so the the entire list here. There's ten of them. Top five players, individual team season, franchise coach, executive, greatest moment, defensive player, which is a weird one. Really, who cares? Most important transaction, game of the decade, and draft pick of the decade. Everything mm. here is connected to LeBron and the Warriors. They're all they're all connected. So I had most important transaction of the decade. I had the Heat signing LeBron because LeBron hadn't won a title yet. So if he doesn't end up going to Miami, then what happens? How are we talking about LeBron if he hadn't won a title? Draft pick of the decade, I went with Kawhi, even though the Spurs didn't draft Kawhi. You could also make that the transaction of the decade, the George Hill for Kawhi with the Indiana (laughs) Pacers. But I went with that being the, the draft pick of the decade. Game of the decade, as of now, I have game seven of the 16 finals between the Cavs and the Warriors with LeBron winning a title in Cleveland. But greatest moment of the decade, which is interesting that we're recording this today and I'll relate to it in a moment, was LeBron game six, 2012 Eastern Conference Finals in Boston when the Heat were down 3-2. The Celtics had a shot to close them out. And again, LeBron hadn't won a title yet. And LeBron put on the 45-plus performance, plus meaning all the other categories, and blew out the Celtics and then ended up going back in Game 7. I bring that up today because three years ago today, I was on Broadway, not performing at him, but I was... Hmm. Marissa and I went to see Hamilton, and there was a lot of Secret Service outside three years ago today. And I asked somebody, who's here? And they whispered, Mike Pence, the vice president. But he wasn't, it's just pre-inauguration. Post-election, pre-inauguration. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen a lot of Broadway shows, been fortunate that way. It was the most, I said to Marissa, this was the most intense performance I've been in the building for since being in the building for LeBron Game 6, 2012 in Boston. I've never seen, I've never seen a performance where they're, performing at somebody and i felt like lebron that night was performing at the nation and just like hamilton was performing at the vice president-elect wow i i've known about a lot of the the famous games some of which you and i have in common that we were lucky enough to attend i had no idea you were at that that famous performance Mm -hmm. uh that uh made national headlines you know we that not just that mike pence showed up but just the back and forth between between the cast yeah, and crew, right. if you will. Exactly. Right, <laughs> right. When, they, they, when they gave a speech afterwards as he was leaving, there was a huge mix of cheers and booze as soon as he took his seat. It was nuts. It was wow. nuts. Anyway, any, yeah. uh, any initial thoughts on all decade stuff as we... No, we I, I think, you know, it's interesting because as you started to mention the idea that pretty much the Warriors and LeBron will carry every storyline and then sort of impact and influence all of your choices. It's funny because even as you mentioned, the moment of the decade, and I think about that game seven that you refer to between Warriors and Cavs and think about LeBron's block in that game uh, or Kyrie Irving's three-pointer, uh, those uh, right away what come to me as, as maybe the most 
memorable moments. Um, maybe it's doubling up because game seven, I think, will certainly be the most memorable game. I would have to imagine that that's going to be the most memorable game of the decade. But well, it could also, but, well, the, the other one <laughs> that will be part of the conversation is the Ray Allen shot in 13. And, and I was there and I was there for that as mm-hmm. well. But LeBron had already won a title. A, a lot of what I was thinking about was with game six of 12 in the Eastern Conference Finals, he hadn't won a title yet. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I, and I think that's, that's, there's value there. I agree with that. I, um, you know, certainly something to point out. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I'd have to go back and, and think about who, who I would sort of say was, I, I would like to, to pick out some of the, you know, what about draft pick of the, the decade, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, becomes the first ever second round pick to win. No, I'm just only because of the historical significance that he's the second. He's not the best draft pick. I can't let you do it. I'm actually even considering editing this part out. Stop it. <laughs> but I, I did, think you should have won. I did have Draymond as defensive player of the decade, and I know Locke is. I went back and forth with Rudy Gobert or Draymond, but I went with I went with Draymond because the team ended up winning so many titles, and he's the one where you switch everything. He's the guy. He changed everything that the Warriors were able to do. And Draymond, to me, will go down in history as a guy that I don't think we're ever going to properly put into context how great his career was. And I mean that to say that I think we're all lacking an understanding of how to do it. I think he'll either be overvalued or undervalued, depending on what perspective and, and sort of what prism uh, you view his career from. And I, I say that because there's no way the Warriors happen and they're able to do what they did without Draymond. His flexibility on the defensive end and plus what he did offensively, moving the ball, sharing the ball, all that stuff. But at the same time, Draymond goes to another team and I'm not sure he's an all-star. He's, there's no question he's going to be a Hall of Famer and rightfully so. Defensively, his impact was so great. And he enabled the Warriors to do so much. It was the perfect guy at the perfect time. It's the only comparison I think I could draw historically would be Scottie Pippen. I think with Scottie Pippen, who obviously proved to have his wonderful season after Jordan left, but then went to the Rockets and the Blazers, and we didn't see that same high level of play. But the year that Jordan wasn't there, obviously, Pippen became close to, well, he was an MVP candidate, didn't win it. But I think. Pippen's career, though, it's almost like the symbiotic relationship he had with Jordan made that team so good defensively and enabled them to do so many things because just like Draymond, a lot of times he brought the ball up the floor. And I think, interestingly, I don't know during that stretch, especially early on with Scottie Pippen, if you put him on another team, certainly he's not as impactful, but he brought the Bulls to an all-time great level. So the only I'm not I'm not putting those guys on the same level. I'm just sort of saying they're the only two guys that are very difficult to look at because how they impacted their current teams, which were both all-time greats, was so unique. All right, so you've got Pippen, Draymond, and Malcolm Brogdon all in the same sentence. Great. Okay, before, before we go, real quick. I thought quick. we were editing that. I thought we were no, editing that. No, no, definitely not editing that one out. <laughs> um, before, before we go, some, we're going to close with, we're going to try to start doing this um, throughout mm-hmm. the week. Something I'm pumped about. Coming up this week could be a game, could be a matchup, could be something else. And and from you, I'm hoping that it's something on the college level when it comes to mm-hmm. future pros going up against each other. 
I can't wait for Friday night ESPN. Clippers are not on a back-to-back, so Kawhi hopefully is playing or more than likely be playing. Rockets at Clippers. Paul George didn't play last time, so now we get healthy Clippers team against a healthy Rockets team, national TV Friday night. What do you got? I'm actually going to be watching Virginia play this this week. Uh, by time people listen to this, actually the Virginia game might already be on. They they first start out with with Vermont. <clears throat> they play Vermont on on Tuesday night. So by the time you listen to this podcast, that you might be seeing them against Vermont, which is interesting. Vermont, uh, one of the surprise teams in all of college basketball because they have a kid named Anthony Lamb who could end up being a pro. They just beat St. John's, so it'll be interesting how Virginia plays against them. And then Virginia plays an undefeated UMass team this weekend. Matt McCall, an upstart coach. I'm good friends with the AD at UMass, Ryan Bamford. But Virginia is holding opponents right now to under 40 points a game, 36.7. They played Syracuse and held them to 34, James Madison 34, and then gave up a ton of points to Columbia in their third game, 42. So, uh, you know, people were wondering what was going to happen with Ty Jerome. Kyle Guy wasn't there, but Braxton Key is back. Diakite's back, Jay Huff's back. This Virginia team, uh, I, I love how Tony Bennett coaches. I'm interested to see what they can do offensively. But against, you know, some teams that actually are surprising mid-majors in Vermont and UMass, uh, college basketball, I'm excited to see those two games. That's what I'm pumped about. All right, so in, before anyone says nobody's talking about this guy or this guy's the sleeper, just make sure you can say... Oh, I heard it on rejecting the screen. Adam Stanko is all over it. And that's all we ever asked. We just hope you learned something. So sure, we'd love for you to subscribe, download, rate, review. That's over the top. Share it with somebody. Just let somebody else know what we've got going on over here on rejecting the screen. Coming up on Thursday, PJ Carlissimo with some stories that you'll be hanging on to. Adam, thanks, pal. You're the best.